Welcome, everyone. We're about to begin. Be'ezus Hashem, Shalom Bayesh, Shir number 343. We're going to start today, and we're going to continue in discussing Rabbi Benzian Schaefer's great book called Ten Really Dumb Mistakes That's Very Smart Couples Make. And we're going to discuss it and give it practical examples, maybe expand upon it. Uh, this is a very, very key book. And he has tremendous knowledge and understanding. And he has researched many, many things. And uh, he's a great resource in general. Highly recommend Ben C. and Schaefer in learning a lot of the concepts that are very healthy and important in marriage. Um, so we're going to go through this book in various aspects of it, just like we did John Gottman's book, although we're going to continue also doing other John Gottman books because... His is very, very crucial, and this particular book as well, we're going to discuss at length different aspects in different shiurim, Be'ezus Hashem, coming up. In the introductory remarks that he says, basically, is that um, in 1901, the divorce rate in the United States was about 6%. And the vast majority of marriages succeeded, and currently the divorce rate in the United States is estimated at about 50%. And in the Torah community, it's much less than that, Baruch Hashem. But nevertheless, the number of marriages that fail uh, skyrocketed. And uh, Rabbi Ben-Zin Schaefer says he talked a lot about Rabo- to Rabbonim and therapists and chassan teachers and kala teachers. And based on the discussions with them, it's pretty clear that a vast majority of divorces in our community could have been avoided. Now, again, this doesn't take away the fact that the Torah allows divorce, and in many situations, in some situations, they both, or one of them, goes to counseling, and they will say, indeed, uh, in this particular instance, divorce is needed, divorce is necessary. So there's no denying of that fact. We're not like the Catholics that don't allow divorce, period, or they have issues with it like that. The Torah allows it, so obviously there is a matzavim in life where it is necessary, and it is in many cases, or in some cases, but Kamat all Rabbanim, therapists, chassan and kal teachers all say that in our generation, the vast majority of divorces that take place in our community could have been avoided. And we're talking now about ways to make marriages to succeed, to undo that trend of the unnecessary divorces that causes a lot of pain and wreaks havoc on children and on the couple themselves. Now he has a, a, a before he starts the book, uh, basically um, a piece of writing here that explains why marriages fail. And there's not one reason, and there's not one solution. But he does give very insightful reasons of why marriages fail. Number one is, which is very true, he titles this calling, saying that everything is disposable. In those days, divorce was simply not an option. It was considered a failure on a personal level. It was considered an embarrassment to the family. And to the average couple, it wasn't something that was even considered. And that's no longer the case. Now, I know when you hear this, you could retort back 
that it could be that in some instances in Europe, in those days where divorce was not an option, where they should have gotten divorce. And to answer that is, you're absolutely right. Yes, there are cases of physical abuse, emotional abuse, terrible things where divorce was absolutely necessary and the healthy thing to do. And in cultures, whether in Europe or in the early time in America, where because divorce was a stigma, they held out despite that abuse. And that was wrong too. But the fact still remains is that that deterrent helped that a lot of marriages that were potentially healthy, a lot of marriages we had people that had flaws that they had to work on, even serious flaws, but they could work on it and go through it. If divorce is not the viable option, then they're forced to work on their marriage. And, and, and then ultimately, their marriage indeed is enhanced and their marriage indeed heals. Once you have divorce as a viable option at the outset, he says, very well put, it becomes almost a self-fulfilling prophecy, right? Because again, till then, a couple was forced to work on their marriage and they had to make their marriage work. They had to learn how to compromise, learn how to be tolerant, learn that you can't get your own way all the time and so on. So it forced them to stay together long enough to make those accommodations and hard work that are needed for the marriage to succeed. And if you go through studies, it's pretty clear that a lot of marriages that were very bumpy in the beginning, and because they didn't have divorce as an option in their mind, they worked through it, and that unhappy marriage became a wonderful marriage. And sometimes, unfortunately, yes, it remains somewhat unhappy, but they work to somehow make a satisfying life in their relationship as the best as they can be. But today, in our generation, there's no very little social pressures or economic pressures for couples to stay together. And it's just as disposable marriage as tablecloths are, or cups and plates and spoons. You try it, it works. If not, get rid of it and you go on. And that is a very, very unhealthy mentality that is in society that has hit our generation, even in our own culture, in our own from communities, where we need to have that, that, that scenario that marriage is here forever. Divorce, divorce is not an option. Now, later in those instances, we come upon real serious issues in a marriage where you think that that's a possibility and you ask your Mayuhero and you ask your counselor, marriage counselors and therapists and they tell you specifically in your situation you have to get out of this marriage, that's a different scenario. But you don't come in with that mindset. You come in saying, I'm with this person, and we're going to do everything we can to make it work. And that also is a self-fulfilling prophecy very often, that ultimately it does make it work. You put in the work and it helps. So that is one reason why marriages fail. Another reason, he says, puts in quotes, what's in it for me? Selfishness. This is our society is a selfish society. It's just the reality. And, um, you know, what is best for me? And all of a sudden, when you get married, and there's another human being, it's not only it's not what's best for you anymore. It's what's best for us now. You're only half. There's another half of us who may not agree with you. 
may not share your interests, may not share your desires, may not share your, you know, some of your values. Although, you know, you, hopefully you marry someone with similar and like coin values, but no one has the exact same values. And they have different needs, looks at things differently. So that for the first time in your life, you know, you could sort of black out your parents and rebel and your friends, you know, they don't like what I say. They're not my friends anymore. I'll pick new friends. But when you're now in marriage and you are with one person forever, you're faced with the reality for the first time is that I can't always do it my own way. I have a husband. I have a wife now that wants it done another way. And we have to work together through it. And we're spoiled. We're spoiled. And he says a fascinating thing. It is true. An average tax-paying citizen in our society lives with more luxury than the kings of England had 200 years ago. It's a tremendous bracha, but it's a tremendous burden too. Because when a young man and woman goes into marriage today, they live in a very pampered life. They never experience any major setback or deprivation. Now, I'm not saying that some Bachrim and girls, young men, boys and girls, that had rough childhoods and rough teenage years. So when I'm saying this as a generalization. Of course, there are people that went through rough the things and they, did not, they were not pampered. But the majority of us are. And we're brought up like rich kids and you cut loose. And, and now, now what? And one of the reasons why HaKadosh Baruch Hu gave us marriage in the first place one of the lessons of it, one of the growth aspects of marriage, what Hashem wants us to do is to become less self-centered, to become less selfish, to, de- to develop that ability to put your wife's needs over your own, your husband's needs over your own. And it takes years, it takes hard work, and it cha- it's, work, it, it, it's basically what you're doing is you're changing your na- nature. And Ben Sien Schaefer says that in, you know, he'll talk about this concept, and how to work through. He acknowledges, by the way, and it's, it's true with my shiurim here, that I'm quoting this safer and many other sources, it's with him, he says this line, that simply reading the book, or in my case, simply listening to the shiurim, won't change you in and of itself. You need hard work day in and day out. That could take years and years, but you don't give up and you keep on going. So that's another reason why marriages fail bismanazeh. What's in it for me? The selfish aspect of it. Number three, he calls a wholesome, uh, unwholesome generation. He says that the reason why, one of the reasons why, divorce is more common today than it is than it was in other societies in the past is because there's a lot of more unhealthy people emotionally now than there was in previous generations. And it's fascinating because we have more material wealth, we have more revach, we're the wealthiest society generation that ever existed. But our generation is more emotionally fragile than any generation before. And people have this mistaken notion, people who suffer from psychological difficulties, emotional difficulties, they think in their mind that marriage will heal me. Once I'm married, things will be different. It almost never works. It almost never works. Now, if you're in the normal range of struggles and issues and things, and then you marry and you work on your marriage and you're aware, you come in with your eyes open and you have a 
your head screwed on straight, then very often with marriage plus the hard work in there does create indeed a healing in the marriage itself. But to think that because you have emotional issues or, or midos that you have to work on and that you think that all of a sudden when you're married, that's going to straighten out, it rarely ever happens. The opposite happens usually. It becomes more difficult, more challenges, challenges because you're dealing with real life. Marriage cannot, Robert Tversky used to say, marriage is not a hospital. It doesn't cure depression or anxiety or poor self-image or OCD. <laughs> he writes, very cute, that the only thing marriages cures is being single. Um, so, so that is also another reason why marriages fail, because we are fragile emotionally, and we need to do a lot of work in our childhood years, in our teenage years, to develop that emotional strength and health in order to prepare ourselves healthy for marriage. And for all of us that are already married, five years, ten years, plus, ten plus years and more, that goal now is to learn how to be as emotionally healthy as possible. Part of working on your marriage, besides working together, marriage counseling, or working together with yourselves with the tools that this particular book Ben Sheehan Shaver's book provides, or other books like John Gottman's books provide, or the Shiorim provide, that for one another is in, in the marriage, the working on the marriage, part of Shalom Bayis, a big part of Shalom Bayis, is working on yourself to get yourself as emotionally healthy as possible. Now, the fourth reason is, is the lack of willingness to prepare for marriage. It's very interesting. He has an interesting, cute story. Ben C. and Schaefer, he says that a young person asked him to be Masada Kedushin. And Reb and Schaefer answered, I'd be honored to be Masada Kedushin, but I charge. What's, what does it mean? He didn't charge for money. He says he charged that you and your kala have to come to me for three counseling sessions before the chasana. Right? He wasn't asking for money, asking for their time. He hoped the goal was these Masada Kedushin for a marriage. He wants to put their marriage on the right foot. And, and also, he did this in a way that once you do this, that uh, Pesach, that anytime they have an issue, they could be uncomfortable co- uh, coming to him. This shows the quality and, and the mindless of this particular person. I, I believe I met him once, Vincent and Schaefer, in a doctor's office years ago. Uh, left an impression on me, but I have never spoken or seen him since. But this shows what a true good person he is. But anyway, what happened was, is after this conversation, Ben Sin Shefer met the Chassan's father at a simcha, and he was fuming. He said, you have a lot of chutzpah. You think my son needs premarital counseling? You think there's something wrong with him? And he was ranting at him until he was actually red in the face. So he was not Masada Kedushin, but he learned an important lesson. That father assumed that if you bring a chassan and kala together, they have good midas, and they're good people, and they're healthy, Baruch Hashem, the chassan and kala, and they come from a good home, that they'll figure it out, that they don't need a roadmap, or they don't need coaching. This may have been true 20, 30 years ago, although I believe it was always needed. That's a separate issue. But certainly today, 
everyone needs this coaching. Everyone needs this guidance. Whether you're single to get into marriage and while, when once married, we need that coaching and that guidance to the roadmap to get us in the right track. And Ben Cian Schaefer says he sees this from first-hand experience as he dealt with couples, hundreds and hundreds of couples, that he sees clearly. And I heard from other people, college teachers and others, people are getting married today and they don't understand the basics of marriage. And even if your parents had a good marriage, let's say they did, a lot came through decades of work. Doesn't mean you know how to get there. So the, I, that's another problem of why marriages fail. People fail to understand the important need for healthy coaching and guidance before marriage and during marriage to help marriages. We all need help. We all need help. It makes no difference whether you're the biggest Talmud Chacham or not, whether you are emotionally intelligent or not. We all need these coaching and marriage skills and preparation in order to make our marriages thrive. He brings later a cute analogy that, you know, when you go to marriage without this preparation, it's like driving without lessons. Some people could wing it here and there a little bit, but most people will crash on things. They, they won't, they won't, it'll be a train wreck if they don't have training. Marriage without training, even if you learn Mesil Sisharim and the Sifrei Musr, if you didn't have direct hadracha, you won't know how to handle it. You know, when strong words are said and feelings are hurt and you don't know what, hap- what went wrong and you don't believe, all of a sudden you see, oh, your husband and wife isn't what you believe them to be and marriage is not so great after all. And, but basically it's because you weren't taught how to drive that car called marriage. It is a complicated weaving of personalities, different needs, different circumstances, and it makes no difference how intelligent and organized you are of how a nice person you are. There'll always be hurt feelings, bruised egos, unmet needs, and in order to know how to deal with them, we need preparation. We need tefillah and hard work and realism, like we said, a realism of understanding the reality of what marriage is. And you need to practice this. Now, if you're doing the wrong thing, practice will make that wrong thing worse. So you need to know what to practice. So you need guidance with that. Otherwise, you'll be constantly triggering each other and creating some toxic cycles in the marriage. So that's also a very important aspect. Another important thing he writes is you need to go to the right people. Not everyone that gives advice you should listen to. You have to do your research. Find people that are healthy that are healthy and well-known and have a track record of being marriage counselors. And even if you have a Rav, you investigate your Rav. Does your Rav have any experience with Shalom bias issues? Does he understand husbands and wives? If he doesn't or you don't know that he does, you do your research and for that you go to a particular Rav, a Maira or a Rav, that has experience and has dealt with couples, married couples, for years and years and years and has experience you don't just go to anybody and people it's very important you advise couples you have to think twice before you advise couples it is with a heavy heavy heart and with a tremendous weight and responsibility that the shiurim are given because it's a tremendous achrayas I always daven that it should come out the right way Try to basically only read from the healthy, good sources that there are. 
but it is an achrayas. And even when a person gives advice, it's also an eight, so you have to be careful. You have to acknowledge what you don't know. And when it's beyond you, you say, this is something you need to ask somebody else. You need to have a clear understanding of what a role of a husband is, what a role of a wife is, and apply it. It requires so much chachma in discerning personality types, temperaments, which Belina that we didn't get to. We're going to talk about personality types and temperaments. So all these skills take years to develop. Not many people have that kind of experience. There's a lot of also books out there, but a lot of books, I'm telling you, I see it, he says it over here. Jensen Schaefer did the same thing years before me, reading many popular marriage books, some helpful, some mediocre, some downright damaging. And I could vouch that it's exactly that. Some was very helpful, some were mediocre, some were downright damaging. Some were damaging. I, I, I purchased some books I had to throw in the garbage after reading it. I realized there was nothing of value there or damaging. So it's very, very important to ask and get the right people to advise you and do your research and the right books to, 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 to read and the right mahalach. And that's another very, very important point that you learn, number one, don't give unhelpful advice. And number two is when you're seeking advice, seek the best, or at least seek someone that you know is qualified, that has experience. Bracha and atzlacha.